Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I'm your host, Paul Oren, at NWI Oren on Twitter, and you can find Union Street Hoops on Apple Pods, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and of course, I'd appreciate it if you would go to the newly redesigned NWI.com for your Union Street Hoops listening needs. Valpo played two games last week. They played at Missouri State in a game where they fell woefully short of their expectations, shooting what I imagine is a program record 39 three-pointers and only making eight of them, including two of 20 in the first half. They came back in the second half valiantly but never could get over the edge in Ryan Fizikas' return to the court, Valpo falling 67-60. to And then at home against Evansville, they jump out to a huge lead, an 18-point lead in the first half, and give that nearly all away holding on to a 67-65 win against the Purple Aces and sweeping Evansville for the first time in program history, at least dating back to what I could tell in years that they've played more than one occasion. Valpo had never won both games against Evansville. That is impressive. That said, today's podcast, not about the current Valparaiso basketball season. They do have a couple games coming up at Bradley on Wednesday and then Illinois State at home on Saturday. But today, really, as we are about 30 hours after the fact, I wanted to talk about Kobe Bryant. This is a basketball podcast, and we're going to have some guests on here in a little bit. I've been doing interviews throughout the day to talk about Kobe Bryant and maybe the impact that Kobe Bryant has had uh, on Valparaiso basketball. And and matter of fact, this started yesterday when after the game, you can go to ValpoAthletics.com or go to their YouTube page or just flat out read my story on NWI.com for some of this. I asked each one of the people in the press conference, Daniel Sackey, Javon Freeman-Liberty, Malik McMillan, and Matt Lodick, what Kobe Bryant had meant to them. And it was a question that, that I thought was appropriate I, I don't know that I would have asked the question had Valpo lost the game last night, but it felt right. It felt appropriate. Um, and the reason why is because most of those guys, at least Daniel and Javon, from what I'd seen, as well as a couple other guys on the team, had posted their thoughts or their, their emotions about the news of Kobe Bryant's death right right away when, when the news happened. And let's be clear here. Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, were not the only people who died on Sunday. Seven other people lost their lives, and it's incredibly tragic. And, I, you know, this is a basketball podcast, so we're going to talk about that. I, You know, the, Val, the, the baseball coach that passed away, uh, John Antonelli, I believe his name is, um, he is the coach at Orange Coast Community. And uh, a couple of guys on Valpo's baseball team now um, that I know of, played against him when they were in junior college um, and talked to one of them earlier today and, and said that one of his best friends played at Orange Coast last year and uh, just how uh, horrific and tragic and sad this this whole situation is. So, yes, you know, nine people dying. It's it's just it's an awful, awful story. Um, and so, you know, but I I've gone back and forth on, on Kobe here in that you know, I wanted to ask the players what they thought, and Daniel Sackey, you know, said he was sick to his stomach about it. Javon Freeman Liberty actually remarked that in the day leading up to the practice that they had leading up to um, the game against Evansville, 
Matt Loddick had written on the notes Mamba Mentality. And, and, and they, they talked about that. And Loddick went on to talk about that. And he said that Kobe Bryant has been a big part of the Valpo basketball program, and Kobe didn't even know it, namely meaning that the work ethic was always something that, that they talked about. Later on in this podcast, Eric Bugs is going to join us, a Valparaiso point guard that graduated in 2013, helped lead the Crusaders back to the NCAA tournament. And he is going to talk about using, as a coach today, training videos and, and things that he'd picked up from Kobe Bryant in his career. Malik McMillan talked after the game about how the mentality and the work ethic of what Kobe represented was something that Malik has tried to echo in his preparation for a basketball career. Kobe Bryant wasn't without complications, to put it mildly. Um, and, and this has played out in the media quite a bit. And really, before we get into that, I'll tell you that the media coverage of this obviously has left a little something to be desired. The question as to how many people lost their lives yesterday, who lost their lives yesterday, this constant clamoring to, would you rather be first or be human? I'm, I'm torn on, you know, TMZ put the news out there before the family was notified I, you know, I that look, I, I don't like that, but at the same time, I, I think to myself, well, when is the family notified? When, when do we know as media members it's okay to release a piece of information? I, you know, there's a line. I just don't know where the line is. If that, if that makes sense. As we're getting more and more distance from the news, the shock and the awe of the news, I think. The manner in which some of it came out stops being as important, but certainly, in the moments yesterday, it was it was tough to to think about maybe the humanity of how do you cover something like this uh, when it's so raw and so the emotions are so high. One of the people that we're going to have on, the first person that we're going to have on the podcast today, is a former Valparaiso student and uh, alum and um, ESPN broadcaster Adam Amin. Adam has called a lot of games in the NBA. He has not called a Kobe Bryant game. Kobe had retired by the time Adam was calling the NBA. But Adam's going to talk a little bit about what it's like to, you know, be in the NBA and to, to, to be around people like Kobe because he did spend some time with Kobe in and around the women's basketball Final Four, which Adam has been the voice of now for the last couple of years on ESPN. And to that end, Grace Hales, a senior on the Valparaiso women's basketball team, will join the podcast later on as well to talk about the impact that Kobe Bryant had not only on the game of basketball, but women's basketball in particular. And I know that kind of sounds a bit odd talking about Kobe and being an ambassador for the women's basketball game, because as I say to Grace, there are so many great ambassadors like Rebecca Lobo, like Kara Lawson, like Sue Bird. I think of all of the great women that have come through and played in the WNBA and the stars of college basketball. And I do think a lot of that gets overlooked. And then Kobe Bryant starts showing up and people are suddenly paying attention to Arika and Goomba Wale and paying attention to Sabrina from Oregon. And, you know, Kobe shine a light on women's basketball in a way. And and as I say to Grace, he had four daughters and Gianna, Gigi, um, Mambasita, as she was, uh, she was affectionately known as, um, 
you know, those videos are just heartbreaking to watch. And Grace and I will talk about that. Adam and I talk about it a little bit as well. And then uh, finally, uh, in the in the middle here, we're going to hear from Valparaiso basketball former Val, Valparaiso basketball coach Bryce Drew and former former Valpo legend Bryce Drew. We'll talk about what it was like to play against Kobe Bryant. I I think the reason why this is hitting me a bit harder than. I probably even thought it would when it happened was, you know, first of all, I think when these things happen, we all, we all experience loss in whatever way. I mean, was, did I think about Kobe all that often? No, you know, but the more that I, I thought about it, you know, when, when something like this happens, you get a concentrated dose of thinking about something. And for me, it was this idea that I, I and I say this to Adam, I grew up on Michael Jordan, but I grew up with Kobe Bryant. Jordan was an adult when I was a kid, right? He was already he wasn't my generation. Just like LeBron, I was an adult when he was a kid. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm you know I'm only five years older than LeBron, but like to be fair, when I was 18, he was 13. How many 18 year olds are paying attention to 13 year olds, right? So it, but Kobe was. Of I mean, Kobe and I went to high school at the same time, and he became a superstar. He was really the first person from my little pocket of life, my generation, so to speak, to become a superstar. And I would see him do this at a high level, and he represented to a, a degree my generation. And I really appreciated watching him burst on the scene with his very cocky, very self-assured, very take-no-prisoners attitude. So I'm going to jump into this conversation with Adam, and then and then I'm just going to flow from interview to interview and just kind of build a conversation about Kobe Bryant and what I think is an appropriate time to talk about Kobe today. I, I think that his death, as I talk about with Adam, is big in that I don't know too many other sports icons that have uh, that have gone quite like this, and and so here we go. Here are a handful of thoughts from some people who have been connected to the Valpo basketball program over the years in one way or another. And uh, we'll end with Grace Hales, and then to kind of put a ribbon on it, I will spend some time talking to Grace about the current iteration of the Valpo women's basketball team, who are coming off a amazing victory against Loyola the other night. That if you're not too sure as to how it all shook out, I would tell you. To go to ESPN3 if you've got a subscription, fire up the Valpo Loyola game and watch the last three minutes of that game and you'll be blown away. So here are some thoughts from a couple different people in the Valpo basketball universe about Kobe Bryant. Adam, I wanted to have you on. You know, this podcast will have a couple other interviews with people, basketball players, sharing their thoughts and what Kobe has meant to them on the court and, and all of that. But you and I are not basketball players. Yet I, I feel like Kobe Bryant still kind of resonates with us a little bit. What uh, what was your reaction to this, and, and kind of what is Kobe? Uh, what's what's this whole thing meant to you? I think uh, I'll, I'll start with the second part. I think the reason, and obviously I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like one of the reasons that he resonated with people like us is that he was the type of person, player, really, I should say, the type of player that I always wanted to cover. Like, I always wanted to be at a game with a player like Kobe Bryant at the forefront of it. And I've been lucky, you know, I've been calling games with 
for these players. But Kobe was the type of player when I was growing up. And, and when I say growing up, I mean, I come from the Jordan Bulls era. So for me growing up, and this is like my teens now, he was the most famous player in the world, in my estimation, and certainly one of the faces of the NBA. So in terms of covering somebody like that as I grew older and got this, you know, got, got into this career, and I imagine you might feel a little bit of the same, Paul, I, I feel like this was the type of player I always wanted to be around. He was transcendent in a lot of ways. He was a global icon for the NBA in, a, in an era where the NBA really started to explode globally. And I remember when I would listen to broadcasts or go back and, and watch games or listen to radio broadcasts, because, you know, Paul, you remember this, I was, I was trying to be a radio broadcaster, and I loved calling basketball games. And Kobe had all these incredible moments, you know, buzzer beaters and things like that. I still go back and listen to Kevin Calabro's call, uh, one of Kobe's buzzer beaters. I want to say it was against the Heat. I might be wrong. Uh, you don't know. It was against the Phoenix Suns in what I yeah. think was a key playoff game. And he had a buzzer beater at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime to win the game. And I remember Kevin Calabro and Mike Breen having these incredible calls. And I just thought I would give anything to call a moment like that for a player like that someday. And, you know, like I said, I've been lucky enough to do stuff like that. But Kobe was the first guy that I kind of pictured myself being able to, to cover and have moments like that for my own career with him at the forefront. So I think that's part of the reason that I I kind of have a little bit of emptiness today. And I never called a Kobe Bryant game. He retired before I started calling NBA games. So I, I said this, um, Jordan, like when, when people talk Jordan, LeBron, I'm vehemently in the Jordan camp, right? Sure. Because okay. that's who I grew up for, watching. For, for, for much different reasons, and obviously that's a different debate. For yeah, debate, yeah, 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 yeah. But but here, here's my thing. Jordan was who I grew up watching. I grew up on Jordan. I grew up with Kobe, right? Kobe, for me, and I'm a couple of years older than you, but Kobe was my age. I mean, he's 41. I'm going to be 40 in March. Kobe and I went to high school at the same time. And I know that he went to, straight to the NBA, drafted in 96. So I was still, I think it was a junior in high school. So he's two years older than me in that respect. But I remember when I was in college, I got an internship in Milwaukee at a TV station. And uh, one of the things I was, like my job the first couple weeks there was I was the intern and I had to cut up highlights of the 2000 NBA Finals. I, my job was to go back and rewatch every game and make like file footage libraries. And there was Shaq, he was amazing in that series. Reggie Miller, Jalen Rose, Rick Smits, to use a guy who's you know connected to Valpo in a way. But that was a series where Kobe Bryant sprained his ankle and came back and still lifted the Lakers. And it was like his breakout. And I just remember thinking, everyone kept talking about Shaq and everyone kept talking about all these like older guys. And I remember thinking, there's a new kid on the block and he's my age and he's wrecking the NBA right now. And I just felt connected to him in a way that I had never any other superstar up to that point. Now, so many other guys my age have then made it to the pros and have retired. But Kobe was really the first who felt like, you know, look, I didn't, but I could have played against him in high school. I couldn't have done that with Michael Jordan. Right. So I always felt a little bit of a of a connection there. Um, and, 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 you know, I just thought, uh, 
that was powerful. That was what I was percolating through my brain as I was trying to come to grips with all of this last night as we're recording this on Monday. How did how, was was it a shock? I mean, obviously it was a shock, but but just was a what were the first moments like when you found out about this? I I was confused certainly, and I thought, well, this doesn't make sense. I think a lot of people will probably had a very similar thought process where it's like this this isn't true or this doesn't make any sense. Why would this happen? You know, he's a, he's 41 years old, and then you hear that it's true. You see all the confirmed reports, and then you see that you know his daughter, whom I had crossed paths with, I both I you know I crossed paths with both of them, having covered the women's final four the last couple of years, and she was always it felt like always next to him at any of these games. And the reason he became such an advocate for women's basketball, the, the you know WNBA certainly, but in particular a lot of these high-level women's college basketball games is because of his daughter. And, you know, he, he was very close to Gino Ariema, and we heard plenty of stories about uh, from Gino about Kobe coming in and talking to the team. And, you know, Katie Lou Samuelson, who's now playing for Chicago in the WNBA, would, you know, be so excited when Kobe would come around. And, you know, I, I covered one of the great moments in women's Final Four history with Arike Ogumbawale and her – you know, kind of mantra was the Mamba mentality and how Kobe would keep calling her out and would text her. And he had that relationship with Sabrina Ionescu, who I think is the most right now, men or women, the most exciting college basketball player in the country. And if you watched her emotion on Sunday, because they had to play a rivalry game against Oregon State, she was torn up yeah. for obvious reasons. And, and you know, to, so, so to see that impact directly, and I didn't, share many words with Kobe or, or Gianna or, or anything like that, but I was on the periphery when he'd be there supporting the events that we were covering. And, uh, you know, it was because of her. He was such an advocate for women's basketball because of that. So to have that suddenly go away, uh, it's it's very odd to have to kind of deal with this. And listen, it's complex. It's very complex to deal with Kobe as an entity, as a father and as a person. Like, there is no complexity here. This is
Yeah, there's a, there was a lot there. And, and you know, I was, there was some questions I was going to get to at some point when I was going to say, like, what I mean, he is there's no doubt he's a complicated figure. But I and I was wondering, and even in the moments and when this happened, you know, I was thinking about what what's his story going to be. And we have seen other complicated figures come and go. And uh, it's just it's interesting to, to see what the. The legacy is there, but I think you boiled down actually the simplicity of it, and this is what you could see in those in those video clips of him sitting on the sideline with Gianna or gushing about her to Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, the guy loved his family, right? Um, you know, and one later on in the podcast, Grace Hales is going to join us uh, from the Valpo women's basketball team, and I'm going to ask her what is it like. It's kind of a, a layered question, and her, her and I get into it. What's it like to have had a guy like Kobe advocate for the WNBA and for women's college basketball the way that he did? And, Adam, I guess I want to ask you, I mean, you kind of touched on it a bit, but how much of a buzz was there when Kobe would be at one of these big games? Always. There was always a major buzz because, you know, and, and, and listen, I understand when, you know, journalists, people who cover – women's basketball in particular say why do we need somebody like Kobe Bryant to be a fulcrum for for acceptance you know shouldn't this sport shouldn't these athletes be accepted on their own merits yeah 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 I I agree I certainly agree with that I cover the sport you have covered the sport in a way that I don't feel the necessity to compare these athletes to their male counterparts I don't care I'm living in the vacuum of covering these particular athletes and I think they are as well but when you take a step back and try to look at it from a 30,000 foot point of view anytime anybody in a position of power authority or influence advocates for what it is that you are doing and you put so much effort into being great at what it is that you do as a, as a, in this case, a female basketball player, and now somebody of power, influence, or authority is saying you should pay attention to what these athletes are doing. How, how could you not want that? How could you not accept that? How could you not want to promote that as well? And that's what a lot of these athletes that I've been around, the Ariques and the Sabrinas in particular, have done. They have, they have ran with it. They have embraced it. They ran with it. Jewel Lloyd, who obviously has a connection to Valpo, her brother played at Valpo uh, when I was a student. Uh, you know, she has spoken very highly of Kobe Bryant's mentorship. And it's not just lip service. It is mentorship uh, from, from Kobe with a lot of these athletes. And it is a real advocate in a position of power, influence, or authority to be able to say these things. So for them, if you're you know, if, if you're a female athlete and this is what you're getting from him, why would you not feel a connection? Why would you not feel an appreciation for it? Because somebody is validating all the hard work that that you put in, and deservedly so, somebody is validating that. But it is completely understandable if you are a journalist who doesn't want to compare. Uh, and I'm not saying we're comparing. I'm saying if you're a journalist who does not want this person who does have a very flawed past, to say the least, that's the light way of saying it, Yeah, very flawed past to be advocating for what it is that you're doing, I can see why some might take it as lit service. I can see why some might take it with a significant level of irony because his many of his flaws involve a young woman who did not have 
power or influence or authority in the situation that played out in Colorado. So I understand both sides of it. And I'm saying that it is okay to not know what the answer is. And that's a little bit of my frustration the last couple of days, Paul, the last day really, since this news broke. Yeah. As we're, as we're recording this, I think that's where my frustration lies, is that this isn't a binary situation, nor should it have to be. No, I, I totally agree with you. That's why I, want, why I wanted to have you on the show here. Yeah, this is not meant to be a binary situation. And for anybody who is tweeting their hard stance opinion, their hardline opinion on this, I don't necessarily think that's right because there are a lot of layers to this. As you accurately pointed out, there are several layers to this. I'm sorry for kind of rambling, but I'm kind of in the same boat as you right now. I'm trying to process everything from every angle right now, and I've had a day with it, but this is the first time I'm saying it out loud to somebody whom I know very well, and, and, and it happens to be you in this particular medium. So let, let, let me, let me ask this. this let me ask this. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're in our 30s now. Um, w- on this level, is Robin Williams the last one of, like, a celebrity that just is a jolt like this? I'm trying to think of, like, a, just a shocking, a shocking exit. And, and yes. you know... Robin Williams hit me. I'm trying to think of another athlete on this level, you know, because, again, he— I don't, I don't know if we've had this, though, Paul, in our lifetime. Like, listen, Roy Halladay certainly is, is a one of the all-time great pitchers in Major League history. And, you know, if you, get, but, if you make a list of the 50 best pitchers ever, he's certainly in the conversation of being one of the 50 greatest at his position— in a sport that has been around for over 120 years. And so, I agree with you, but 90% of the country, even baseball fans, couldn't pick him out of a lineup. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but the difference, and that's where the difference lies. You yeah. know, this is, I don't know if we've ever had this. In, in, our, in our adult lifetimes, I don't know if you and I have ever had an athlete, at least, of this magnitude. I mean, I wonder if people, I, I think Clyde Frazier said it on the Knicks broadcast yesterday, that when he found out Magic Johnson was diagnosed with HIV, yeah. Yeah, and a similar type of shockwave through uh, the sports and through the cultural world, as you know, as it stands. Like Kobe is a cultural icon in a lot of ways as well, beyond just basketball, beyond the global basketball clout that he carried and uh, and spread. He, he's got a cultural uh, facet to what he what what he was, which is also a weird thing to say in, in the past tense. Like, he has that. I don't know if you and I have seen this in our adult lifetime. This is probably the first time. I think you can maybe make a case for Michael Jackson, who also has a significantly flawed uh, section of his Wikipedia page. Like, I, I feel like he might... It's a good way to put it. I, I think he might have that type of level of impact. And I certainly think Kobe, from an athletic standpoint who also kind of garnered a lot of attention from the culture. I think those are maybe the two things, uh, two people uh, whose deaths have, have kind of impacted us the most in our adult lifetimes. I think the, I think those are great points. And, uh, you know, Adam, I want to thank you for taking the time. I knew that as somebody who, who both spends a lot of time around the WNBA, or excuse me, the NBA and women's college basketball, that, that and, and just sports, that this would certainly be um, – some interesting thoughts coming along your way. Uh, what's up next on the docket for you here? Uh, we got actually a lot of time coming up in Indiana. We'll have uh, Bulls Pacers on Wednesday, Notre Dame Louisville on Thursday, and then uh, a weekend with uh, Bulls Nets on Friday, 
Celtics, 76ers on radio on Saturday, and then UConn, Oregon next Monday. I don't know how you keep it all straight. Thank you, Adam, very much for taking the time. Kobe Bryant is somebody that you played with. Uh, obviously, the terrible news. How did you just, what kind of went through your mind when you saw this yesterday? Uh, it was devastating. Um, you know, not that I grew up watching him, but you know, I grew up watching Michael Jordan. But then it was kind of like that torch was passed to, to Kobe. You know, for all those years and just loving basketball and being around basketball, like he's just so great for the sport um so it was extremely devastating you know i said this um on facebook actually that uh you know i grew up watching michael jordan just like you know you're you're a couple years older than me but not too much older than me but jordan was like pretty well established even when we were kids uh kobe felt like someone that maybe i grew up with and i imagine as you were coming into your own as an elite basketball player so was kobe was there kind of more of a connection there because Kobe was somebody who was a peer of yours? Well, he was obviously at, at the at the top of the chain of command of basketball players. So, you know, you always look to the top and, and you know, you, you, you want to be as good as you can. So you'll try to take little pieces, if you can, out of their game or, or their approach or, or, you know, how they train. And, you know, he was, you know, maybe one of the – you know, hardest workers, you know, that the game has ever seen and, and maybe the one, one of the best, you know, preparers for the game, uh, you know, mentally and uh, how he would, would come into the games. So, well, he was just elite on so many levels and not just, you know, the actual putting the, the basketball in the goal. He was elite just in his whole approach, you know, and to the game of basketball. Do you have any memories of going against Kobe on the court? You know, I I asked the Valpo players yesterday after their their win over Evansville what they meant to them, uh, what Kobe meant to them. And, and, and Matt Loddick actually said that, uh, you know, Kobe has been a big part of the Valpo basketball program, and he didn't even know it because Matt said that he would use videos of kind of Kobe's work ethic. As you transitioned from being a player to a coach, did you maybe appreciate more of, of Kobe from just – what messages he could give to players through videos or anything like that? I mean, his work ethic and, again, his approach, I think how important winning and losing was to him is something as a coach, you know, you want all your players to have, you know, that burning desire like he had to, to, to win. And I don't think just to win because he won, but he was never satisfied. He always wanted to, to continue to get better. And, and so he provided, you know, like he said, a lot of, you know, lessons 
that coaches would love for their their players to uh, you know to follow suit you know like him and just you know the the news yesterday did it uh did it just kind of was it shocking just kind of what was your first reaction yeah you know i i got a text and and i immediately like started to look it up i had no idea you know what the person was talking about and you know i i knew that he would take helicopters into games and things like that um but just so again devastating is the word i used and you know my wife and i have been you know, following stuff the last 24 hours and just, you know, it's just so sad for, you know, all the families. And, and I think it, it, especially seeing him, and I know it's been talked about a lot, but, you know, at the last few months I've seen all those pictures of him courtside and, you know, training and coaching his daughter and, and just how cool and how happy, like, he looked and seeing their relationship. Like, um, like he's such a, he was such a, obviously one of the best players ever, but, you know, as he transitioned into being a different role kind of in this world, like seeing him become a great father and, and just great for the sport and just always carry himself so professionally. And I think that's why the outpouring of love is so great for him. Like everyone just appreciates the character he had and, uh, and just his um, pursuit of excellence. Thank you very much. Joined by Eric Bugs. Eric, you know, I've been reaching out to a couple different people today and just wanted to see what Kobe Bryant meant to them. And I thought that you were of a particular age that I'm sure you kind of came up watching Kobe as a player. And then now that you're a coach and a father, I bet he's, his impact has probably hit you in a couple different ways. I guess my, my first question is just kind of what, what struck you about yesterday's news? Was it unbelievable? Just how, how were you impacted by it? Jordan is a an, is an rarefied heir, but Jordan was done playing by the time you were really getting into basketball, I'd imagine, right? I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, his last championship came in 98. Um, and, but, and then there's LeBron today, but, but Kobe, I feel like, and I put this on Facebook, I feel like Kobe is often kind of the forgotten great one because we're so hell-bent on Jordan versus LeBron that we kind of forget about Kobe in the middle. Is that accurate, or, or kind of where does Kobe sit for you uh, in the, the pantheon of great NBA players? I mean, just speaking on those guys' greatness, I mean, the comparison is is crazy. I mean, that discussion was probably something that will go on for years and years to come, just speaking on those three guys. But I definitely think Kobe uh, – was one of those guys out of those three who was definitely uh, not speak, not spoke upon the way that the other two were. But uh, to me, 
me, that's a guy who coming up, uh, that's my goat. I mean, LeBron is he's doing incredible things in this younger for the younger generation of guys that are watching basketball coming up. Jordan, of course, uh, like you said, in '98, I was about eight years old around then, so just really grasping the concept of the magnitude that he he left uh, on the game of basketball. But Kobe, just his relentless work ethic. I mean, his climb and ascension to the top of basketball Mount Rushmore. I mean, the hard work he put in, the dedication to his craft. That's something that you know you embodied. As a young basketball player growing up, you wanted to work as hard as Kobe. You wanted to study the game like Kobe. He was one of those guys who really made you embellish the opportunity to study the game. He made you a student of the game. And Jordan and LeBron have just felt like, you know, we're talking about the top half percent of basketball players ever, right? I mean, you know, those guys struck me as uber-talented Kobe was talented, but Kobe, it seemed, worked for everything. And I was struck the most by when Kobe got hurt, that Achilles injury. Now, I know this happened after your injury at, at Valpo, but, you know, what did you see in, in his drive to get back to the court after, after you know, you kind of went through a similar thing? Kobe kind of, you know, he stepped away from the game. And then he was in the news as of late. There was about a month ago that video clip of him and his daughter showed up, of him sitting courtside at the Atlanta Hawks game, you know, pointing to the court, laughing with her. She, you know, and, and you know, Gianna was, was, they just looked like a great conversation. You're a father. I imagine you're starting to talk to your kids about basketball. You coach what kind of power do you draw out of maybe seeing those video clips of Kobe with his daughter? I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Uh, you know, having a a child who really enjoys the game of basketball and being able to share that wealth of knowledge, it, it definitely made a deeper connection to Kobe because, I mean, that's something that I get to do with my son and, He's only three years old, but he just loves being at the basketball games. He loves watching watching me coach. He's picking up basketball terminology. He likes to be at the gym. So I can only imagine the relationship that Kobe and his daughter had. I mean, to be brought together by the game of basketball, that's an uh, inseparable bond. I know you're from Memphis. Lorenzen Wright was a guy from Memphis who, who died it, you know, there's been no shortage of stars that have kind of gone away too soon. 
but, I mean, this does this feel different? Does this this is like unbelievable? It just I, I'm struggle to put it into words. Yeah, uh, I mean, Lorenzo Wright was an amazing basketball figure here in the Memphis area, and his uh, his death. I mean, it was extremely tragic, and yeah, you know, it left an impact on a lot of people. I mean, this this Kobe, this death of Kobe. I mean, literally left me speechless. I, it's it's like a part of the game went away. I mean, like I said, you grow up idolizing and admiring and really wrapping yourself around the mannerisms and work habits of a particular guy. And when that guy passes, especially in the fashion at the age that Kobe did. I mean, it's there's there's not a lot of words to really conceptualize the emotions that you that you go through at that point. Have uh, y- have you met with your players at all yet? Uh, did, to, I mean, what's Kobe mean to them? Kobe's. A, I mean, I've met with a couple. I actually came was coming from church. When we got the news, uh, and I had two or three of my players with me, and it just kind of was a, a disbelief. And they're really connected with Kobe because I use a lot of those clips, especially his his motivation clips, to kind of drive home our philosophy on work ethic. I know we did a lot of things similar to that at Valpo, which I'm very sure they still do. Uh, I mean, his magnitude, like the impact that that man left on the game of basketball is incredible. And I don't think there will be anything that could come close to the amount of Eric, thank you very much for taking the time to chat. As always, love having you on the podcast. Wish it was under different circumstances today, but uh, always a fan of having you on. Thank you. Man, thank you, P.O. It was uh, definitely a pleasure. Joined now by Valparaiso women's basketball player Grace Hales. Grace, Kobe, we're kind of talking about Kobe today. Um, You know, you had kind of some emotional stuff on social media yesterday, as did most basketball players. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, just before we go too deep into Kobe, just go, what was, I mean, how did you find out? And kind of like what, how surreal. Yeah, well, at first I heard that there was kind of rumors about it and I thought it was a joke, like a sad joke, just because I know he got passed in the scoring list and stuff. So I thought it was like a joke, like RIP Kobe, like that type of thing. And once I kept looking into it on Twitter, I was like, no, it's like real news stations posting it. And it just kind of hit me and I was like, oh my God, like growing up, honestly, I don't watch the NBA that much. But he has always been my favorite player because my little brother, that's his idol. So that meant growing up, I just had to watch Kobe highlights on replay. <laughs> like, yeah. I almost every day there for a while, my brother was watching Kobe movies, Kobe highlights. Um, he has like four different jerseys of Kobe. So that's just always who I've enjoyed. And just recently... Isn't your brother's nickname like White Mamba? Literally his Twitter handle is EH White Mamba. <laughs> so right when that, he was one of the first people I thought of. And I actually got a few texts from my high school friends asking if he was okay. Because everybody knows that's just who he loves. So that was initially who I thought of and I had to reach out to. 
But um, I think what really hit me after, obviously, oh my God, it's so sad that Kobe passed away, was when I learned about his daughter. Yeah. I think that's what really hit me because just recently, me and a lot of my friends, a lot of my teammates, we enjoy watching his post about his daughter. And um, you can just tell, like, it's just interesting to see that she's going through all the same things that I had to go through. Like, you know, travel, AU, getting coached by her dad. Like, I got coached by my dad as well. Um, you'll just see videos just playing at, like, a crappy middle school gym. Like, all the normal things. Like, she's being a normal middle school basketball player. And I mm-hmm. just always had connected with her that way. I was like, that's so cool. Like, imagine just playing Kobe's daughter. <laughs> like, that would be amazing. And, like, just this past week, a few days ago, like, I was on his Instagram watching videos of her. And, um... One of my friends had said, like, I think she's going to be so good. I hope she goes to Oregon because <laughs> he had reached out to Sabrina, yeah. a really good Oregon basketball player. She had an emotional tribute yesterday. Yeah, and a lot of people know they are good. He always reaches out to her, their friends, and I feel like she's kind of a mentor to her, his daughter. Like, she's posted pictures with his daughter, and I'd always thought that was so cool. And one of his last tweets was calling her the GOAT, and I just can't even imagine, like, what that would feel like for her. I think this is going to be a really silly and stupid question that I'm going to ask you, but I think there's maybe some power behind it. You know, you go to a school where it's the Valparaiso basketball team and the Valparaiso women's basketball team, right? Like, yeah. the women's basketball team does not get the same amount no. of love, right? And and to have somebody – I mean, look, I, I, I watch a lot of women's basketball. I see great advocates like Rebecca Lobo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kara Lawson, Sue Bird. All, I mean, there's just a, a dozens and dozens of great uh, icons of the game who I think probably get overlooked by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But here's Kobe Bryant, the star, who maybe because he had four daughters, maybe because he just loves basketball, whatever, here's a guy who said, I'm going to be an advocate for the WNBA and for women's basketball, college basketball, all of that. Yeah. What does that mean to you to have a guy like that in that stature say that's a basketball player too? I think, unfortunately, a lot of times it takes men to have a daughter who's playing sports yeah. to really appreciate women's sports. And it's sad that it's that way, but that's usually how it works yeah. out. So the fact that he's had all those daughters, um, I think, is a, obviously a big reason. And his daughter is going through the same thing that all of us athletes have went through. But... I, we're all still so appreciative of it. Like, it didn't take him passing away for us to notice it. Yeah. And t- be able to talk about it. Like, he's always been such a big advocate. Like, there's that picture going around where he's literally wearing a WNBA sweatshirt. And right when that happened, a lot of women athletes were like, wow, that's awesome. Like, he, he cares. And um, there's that interview that has been going around where they're like, do you think your daughter wants to play in the WNBA? I was, so I was going to ask about <laughs> he this. He was like, this. yeah, for sure. Like, she wants to. Like, that's awesome. And that everybody, I've seen it so many times where they're like, Kobe needs to have a boy, all this stuff. I think that it's awesome that he has girls because not only can he bring us awareness, but like they don't have to be him. Like you can be a women's basketball player and be great and not be compared to Kobe. And I thought that was, that's why I was excited about her. I was like, she's going to create her own legacy and still be great. And he's just brought so much awareness to women's basketball, which I think is awesome. That, that video clip, it comes from a Jimmy Kimmel interview that, uh, uh, when, when he said, you know, Hey V, V and you need to have a son. And, and she'd be like, Hey, I'm right here. I got this, you know? And, uh, and, and I am, I imagine, you know, as you said, you were coached by your father who played at IU, who I imagine there was some of that too, growing up too. Yeah. I mean, did, and I, and I imagine again, you, you kind of draw some strength from that a little bit, right? Yeah. I mean, my parents always joke about it. My family members and 
his family that just growing up, I'd always just be Rossi Ellis' daughter, which, I mean, I was proud of. Like, I love him, and I love how awesome he is, and he was. But I would always just, even, like, if there was newspaper articles written about me, be Rossi Ellis' daughter. And, um, like, one of our games at Indiana State, my mom made a joke about it because they did a little highlight on him, which was awesome. Like, I loved it that they did that during the game. My mom was like, well, once again, taking a spotlight from you. But so I kind of understand how that is, but I just think it's awesome. And I think it's just kind of annoying being a woman in sports and seeing how you can never see any posts about women's sports without all these trolls and all these jokes about it from so many different men. But any men who's actually good at basketball doesn't do that. And that's like NBA. I know there's probably more of a spotlight on them, which is probably a big reason they will get slammed for it. But people who are actually good at basketball, men who are, or men who are good at sports don't bash in women's sports. And that's every level, like collegiately, like all the guys here, like they would never, like yeah. say that we're not good at basketball like they'd never make a joke about us so I just feel like it kind of sucks that men have to be that high up I wish there was a respect from everybody yeah but I just wish that other men would realize like hey like these guys who are better than me at basketball don't disrespect women and I just wish that was more of a common thing and I'm glad that Kobe at least started doing that since I've got you here um and I know we're talking mainly about Kobe today but uh, two big notes when you're from your perspective. You're 15 points away from a thousand. That's awesome. <laughs> That's I mean, you're you're coming up on. I imagine next next game or two, depending on how many uh, how many times you let yeah. it fly in the next game, you're gonna get to a thousand points. What does that number mean to you? No, that's insane. I mean. When I, if you would have told me that as a freshman, I wouldn't have believed you. When I was a freshman, I watched Danny get her 1,000 point, and now she's my coach. And if you would have told me that. A, I would have come close to getting a thousand points. I would have said you're crazy. Or if you told me that Danny would be my coach right now, yeah. <laughs> that would be crazy as well. And I just think it might surprise some people too because I don't really put up that big of numbers all the time. I, I was I was surprised partially because you didn't start for much of the first couple of years. No, you know, and and... I don't take that many shots a game. Like I don't know. I just feel like I'm I'm very consistent though. That's the one thing. Like I know I have a lot of things that I'm not the best at, but that's the one thing I do know. I am very consistent and a hard worker. And I feel like that's why I'd kind of be surprising. I mean, it surprised myself, too, that I could get a 1,000 points. But I think that's just a testament to, like, I've played in every game. I've played in every practice. Like, knock on wood, like, I've been lucky enough to not get hurt. One of the few on my team. Oh, no, you were bleeding pretty good but, the other day. <laughs> I do have a lot of <laughs> random injuries, but I've pushed through, and I've played in every single game in college, and I feel like that's the reason I'm just consistent. And you have played in, in many, many games here at Valpo, and I imagine the last one you played in, the win against Loyola, has got to be up there. <laughs> Uh, I, I said I read a metric somebody tweeted out. I think Ben Ariano, the play-by-play announcer, tweeted out that at one point you guys had a 0.2% chance to win. I saw that. Down 11 with a minute and a half left or whatever it was or, yeah. or something like that. And then down 9, I think, with like 45 seconds left, and you were able to come back and win. Um, how did that happen? <laughs> it was insane. They, Loyola <laughs> missed a lot of free throws, they, and Shea Frederick went off. Okay, a big, <laughs> they did miss a lot of free throws, and that helped. But... I just it just kind of shows what type of team we are this year and um obviously we had a great preseason I mean we're still having a great season but once conference start like we are in one of the best conferences in women's basketball which you can look at that in a positive four bids in a positive way like it's great like I'm so lucky to be able to play in this conference but in another way it's like come on like if we were in another conference you know we could go to the tournament um so you can look at that in a positive or negative way but I think it's awesome that we have this good of competition and then you know that every game that we play in conference is going to be such a dogfight, and I think it's awesome. But, yeah, that game, we just don't give up. 
um, we've had close games with everybody. I, like Missouri State, like we tied them in the first quarter, and they're they have a bit like they're going to be they're, they're good. They're ranked in the, in the country. country. Yeah. So I think that just shows that we can play with anybody, and that's what Coach Evans tells us. She's like, never doubt yourself. You can play with anybody. But yeah, even playing in that like I was playing in the whole fourth quarter, I didn't do much, but I kind of I didn't even register what was exactly happening. Like I knew we were going off. Like after the second half was or once the second half began we all started scoring like I don't think I scored in the first half like not a lot of people did once we got to the second half we just started rolling you just scored 27 points in the fourth quarter we, I think and... yeah we just started rolling and I was like oh this is fun we're making a lot of points but I didn't really register how many points we were scoring until um the, I think we we're at the free throw line and they started missing free throws and I looked up I was like oh my gosh like we could do this <laughs> I I you know I watched the game back I wasn't at the game unfortunately I watched the game back and at one point, I turned to my girlfriend when it was 59-53 with, like, 30 seconds left. And I said, I know Valpo wins this game, but I really don't know how <laughs> they're going to make this work. Yeah. Um, what, what does it speak to your team that it was, you know, Shay is a sophomore, and she's had some ups and some downs this mm-hmm. year. But Zoe comes in, a kid that hasn't played yeah. all year, and takes a great charge. You get yeah. Caitlin Morrison, it's a corner three-pointer that was, yeah. I mean, it was... I mean, you're the leading scorer on the team. You and Addie are the two leading scorers on the team. And as you kind of said, you didn't do much in the no. fourth quarter. I don't yeah. think Addie was – Did I mean, no. it was a team win. Yeah, like. I'm not I'm not going to lie. Like, we have – I think the, – well, the reason we are so good this year is we have so many different scores. I mean, bringing in the transfers like Carrie, um, the other Grace being able to score, and obviously Caitlin coming back. Like, those are very big factors, and that is why we're so good. And that's why on any given night anybody can go off. So it's not like if Addie and I are getting guarded really well like – we were yesterday, like, I'm not going to lie, they were guarding me while I couldn't do much, but I wasn't worried because I know that I have such good teammates, and other years, like, you can't say that. It'd be like, if you shut down one person, game over, and that never is the case for us, which I think is awesome, and having those girls be able to step in, and props to the coaches for making that call, because we were in bad foul trouble, and I didn't really know what was happening, because they took us all out, and I was like, whoa, we're on a run, like, why are we all getting pulled? But it was so that we could just keep getting those fouls, and it worked. It was, you played nine players in the last minute of the <laughs> yeah. game, and I think... Every, I mean, every single person it's in like, that group. It was, uh, and again, you know, Loyola needed to miss every one of those free throws. <laughs> yeah. But there were even times when you guys would come down and turn it over and not get anything out of it, and you still persevered. I mean, that's, yeah. to me, I've watched a lot of Valpo women's basketball over the last four years. I've watched a lot of Valpo basketball over the last four years of your time here. Uh-huh. That, to me, has got to be one of the best yeah. wins that men's or women's have had here at yeah. Valpo in that time. And not even just, I mean, you talked about offensively. Like, we have so many amazing offensive threats, but our defensive shoot has just been picked up to a whole nother level. And I don't know what the stat is anymore, but it's something with, I don't know, we're leading in steals in some, some type of way. Like, we're just a very aggressive um team on the defensive end and we've struggled with rebounding and we still do but just in general we understand defense this year really well a couple of really tough road games coming up at drake always yeah. one of the time they're kind of like when valpo got into the valley drake was like the green bay of the valley yeah. now they just got knocked off the other day i think yeah. uh and then you're at you and i which is again a very hard place to play february 6th and 8th Evansville in Indiana State, you went there, you beat those teams on the road. How cool is it to go on the road? And I saw, my, I think my favorite was Elise Pitts in the locker room afterward with a broom, kind of doing a little <laughs> sweep dance. First time in the Valley in three years that you guys got a road sweep. Uh, what's it like? You're from Indiana to, yeah. to go there and to knock those two teams off. It's just awesome. And then the other years I've been here, like when we do swing trips, I'm not going to lie, they aren't usually fun. Because, you know, we would we'd sneak away with a win, but it's either – 
you're not happy the day before the next game or you're not happy on the bus ride home. And either way, not a good situation. Yeah. Like, you're just not happy the whole time. So the fact that we were able there to go, get a good win, um, we have that one day in between games. Um, so we are at the hotel a lot. Like, we watched the men's game that night. So you just have a lot of time of not playing basketball but having to be together. And it is not fun when you're not winning. So it was just so fun to finally experience just a good all-around weekend of everybody being in good spirits. The schedule gets pretty tough here. You are 11-7, and 3-4 and four in conference, but you've played five home games at conference and only mm-hmm. two road games. But it's been a lot of fun to watch. Grace, thank you very much thank for you. joining. Thank you. Thanks for having me. A special thanks to Adam Amin, Bryce Drew, Eric Bugs, and Grace Hales for taking the time out of their schedules today to chat with me. Each one of them, within two minutes of me reaching out to them, was on the phone or in my office talking to me. And uh, I just, I'm really, really grateful uh, for them and everybody who continues to uh, to interact with me here on Union Street Hoops. This was an odd day, right? You know, it's been an odd 30-some-odd hours as, as we, you know, talk about this because it, you know, I didn't know Kobe. It doesn't really impact or change my life. It certainly does, obviously, of, of many people that are are much more connected there. But at the same time, it, if nothing else, uh, just as as Kobe was impactful and inspiring to the, his work ethic, certainly the idea that tomorrow is promised to nobody. Um, it resonates every day, and it resonated with Kobe Bryant there, uh, you know, through through what we've seen here. Um, but again, not just Kobe Bryant, Alyssa Altabelli, John Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli, Peyton Chester, Sarah Chester, Christina Mauser, and Era Zobayan, as well as Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant, the victims of Sunday's helicopter crash. Heartbreaking to think about the lives that were lost and the impact that they left behind and the potential that is unrealized. Thank you all for listening to a different kind of episode of Union Street Hoops. Looking forward to being back next week, Monday, to talk a little bit about these basketball games for Valpo. Get on out and check out the Valpo men's team on Saturday. Get on out and check out the Valpo women's basketball team in the games that they have coming up on the 6th and the 8th of February. They're a special group this year, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Thank you all for listening. God bless. Mm-hmm.